Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominance, the sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We talk about Georgia Southern sports, and today we have a special guest, Brian Berg, head men's basketball coach of the Eagles. We're recording on uh, Thursday, October 20th. The season starts for the Eagles on November 8th. They're going to make a big road trip, which we'll talk about with Coach Berg at San Jose State uh, to start off the season. And um, we'll, uh, we're will we going to talk uh, all about the team. We've got some time. And um, Coach Berg, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Nathan. Appreciate you having me on. Coach, uh, coach is here uh, after being in New Orleans yesterday uh, as we record this to talk about the season. And uh, I had some questions for you yesterday, which I'm going to repeat if you don't mind, because your answers were so good. I, I hope you don't mind sharing them again. But I do want to ask about that. You were in New Orleans. Uh, did you get a chance to see the city at all or was it kind of in and out? You know, actually, it was actually it, it, the weather was really cold. It was chilly. Um, wow. Jalen and myself, we got down down there Tuesday, right around lunchtime. Uh, we had a nice lunch with Coach Howard and uh, Taryn, and then we ended up having meetings that day, and then a nice dinner by the Sunbelt uh, Conference. They put it on for all coaches, administrators, and then student-athletes. Um, the one thing I'd, I'd say is Commissioner Gill put on a, a first-class uh, event, and I thought it was very well organized and well run. Uh, it was a quick trip because we were in and out within about a day and a half. Yeah, that's too short in my by my book. Uh, the uh, it is it is before the 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 conference tournament at the end of the season. It is the the last chance to see everybody in one place. Is there is there somebody that you sought out uh, for good or bad reasons? I guess. What is there somebody that you wanted to talk to uh, from amongst your your coaching brethren? Uh, Nathan, you know I'm doing this for my 19th year, and it's almost like a fraternity. So you get a chance to mm-hmm. see all the coaches in the league. And I don't think this, this league gets enough, you know, respect. You, you look around, you see the high level coaches, you know, one hall of famer for sure. In regards to Cliff Ellis, he's six mm-hmm. games away from winning 800. Yeah. And then you also have uh quality players and then overall just quality programs uh, across the board. So I got a chance to spend some time, um, but I got a chance to see all the Sunbelt coaches and have, have a word with each one of them. The, uh, the and the Sun Belt has more coaches than before. The the the, the, the Sun Belt has gone through an evolution of sorts. They dropped two of the the basketball only non football. I say basketball only non football schools, and now you have fourteen Sun Belt conference teams uh, with four more schools that were added, and they all have men's basketball and football. And that's uh, Southern Miss, Marshall, Old Dominion, and James Madison. And there's a, a couple questions asked about James Madison. What if on each of those programs, because you you go, uh, you're a, a basketball, a student of the game and a historian, I would think. We know that Southern Miss has had some great teams. Marshall, uh, Jason Williams played there, right? The uh, White Chocolate played there a long time ago, I believe, if I remember. Uh, but he's long gone. Um, Old Dominion, of course, with Nancy Lieberman on the women's side, a uh, historic program. And uh, James Madison has been really good. Uh, uh, what, do, what does each of those programs mean? What do they bring to the, the Sun Belt? Well, the basketball in the Sun Belt Conference is on the rise. Uh, it's pretty evident. You mentioned all four of those programs. We lost UT Arlington. We lost Little Rock. Uh, the addition, though, of, say, Southern Miss, 
You have Jay Ladner. He won a national championship in junior college before making his way to uh, Southern Miss. You look at Old Dominion, Jeff Jones. Mm-hmm. Guy is a phenomenal coach. Spent time at American. Has been at uh, Old Dominion for quite some time. And it's a traditional great mid-major job. Uh, look at Marshall, Coach D'Antoni. The style of play. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to get up and down, but also a quality coach. Been to the NCAA tournament multiple times. And then Mark Byington and James Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great job. It's, it's great coach. Um, you know, you look all four, though. Those are quality programs that are coming into the Sunbelt Conference, and the Sunbelt Conference is on the rise. And and that that's toward a bigger picture goal, I would say, uh, that you want more than one Sunbelt team to have uh, a, a place at the table with the NCAA tournament. Uh, there's an automatic qualifier, but you want it, the conference to be looked at and that's, you know, in, in a different perspective. And that's where reputation comes in. And do you feel like that these four programs really move that inch, move it along, maybe inch it along or push it along where the Sun Belt can be in position to send more than one team? That's the overall goal by Commissioner Gill. It was presented to us down at Media Days. The plan over the next three to five years, what they're trying to implement. And the overall goal is to have multiple teams uh, reach the NCAA tournament. And uh, I give credit to Commissioner Gill with his vision, what he's looking to put together. Um, but you look at our overall cro- league across the board, mm-hmm. it's one of the best mid-major conferences in the country uh, from top to bottom. And uh, people here um, are familiar with Coach Byington, of course. He was uh, head coach at Georgia Southern from 2013 to 2020, and that's where you came in. Uh, do you know Coach Byington very well? And have you guys been able to chat up about like best places to eat in Statesboro or anything like that? Uh, just just talking through him, you know, through coaching circles. Uh, great guy, great coach. Had uh, great success here at Georgia Southern. He's going to have success at James Madison. But got a chance to visit with him a little bit uh, in the airport as well as uh, at media days. The uh, the time that James Madison, they're actually making two trips to our, our uh, neck of the woods here in southeast Georgia. They're going to be playing at Hanner Fieldhouse as a conference game. And they're also going to be playing at N Market Arena in Savannah as part of a Thanksgiving week tournament. So there's a couple opportunities for people to, to see coach Byington, maybe people that knew him from his uh, days at Georgia Southern. That game's I would think is going to mean a little extra to him, a lot, bring back a lot of memories. And James Madison, if I'm correct, also has one of your players, brothers on the roster, one of Ty Strickland's brothers. So they're going to have a little extra things, you know, good things brought into it. Does that, is that game going to mean anything extra to you, um, James Madison, uh, beyond a conference game? Oh, it is a conference game, and um, I think it'll be a lot of excitement around that game. Um, but you look across the board, there's 18 conference games that we're going to play, and night in, night out, it's going to be an absolute war. I, I strongly believe that these games will come down to a four-minute game and just a handful of possessions. Mm-hmm. So I know you can pinpoint one game in regards to James Madison, but night in, night out, I think anyone can beat anyone. There's been a lot of turnover in the league, um, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to be able to compete. Uh, one of the questions I asked you um, yesterday, that was uh, Wednesday the 19th, was uh, this is your third season starting up. Uh, people on the outside looking in like to think of uh, the third season as really the first chance for a coach to really uh, put his culture into place. Uh, and you had extenuating circumstances. People uh, should be familiar with with uh, when you came in, the pandemic was uh, going on. It's still going on, but it was going on in the sense that it shut down face-to-face interactions, uh, official visits, you traveling, them traveling. It really made recruiting and bringing players in uh, a high degree of difficulty, higher than normal. 
that first team that you had um, was an ex- uh, was the one of the uh, the you only had four returning players, I believe, uh, four sco- uh, two on scholarship, which was uh, one of the the fewest in the country. You had um, the nine new nine newcomers, I believe, which was also like tied for fourth in the country. So it was a a uh, I don't know if you want to call it a patchwork roster, but it was not the ideal situation for any coach to start at a new program, new for him, and to put a team together. You still managed to go 13 and 13 with that team and were considered a, for, uh, I guess, coaching of the year kind of honors because of your accomplishment. Can you th- go back and come back, uh, I guess, come back with me two years ago to what exactly you had to go through to put a team together? It was a very unique situation. We were meeting players for the first time after we had signed them whenever they actually showed up to campus. I think that's the first time in the history of college basketball that happened. Uh, I was fortunate to have a great staff to be able to help assist. All our recruiting was done by Zoom. Um, We had multiple pauses that summer where guys were isolated for long periods of time. Uh, We were able to go through a huge portion of that season where we didn't have multiple pauses, but it did affect us in year one. And then, Nathan, to jump ahead to year two, we had more pauses in year two than we did year one. Really? We did, uh, you know, if you look at the first few conference games, we had a starter out every single game all the way up to, I think, game five. Because so it was of hard COVID protocols? Because of COVID yeah. protocols. Um, so it's been a challenge. You know, I'm not wanting to make excuses at all. It's been a challenge. I've had some guys that have gone through some adversity and then are sticking with our program because they believe in what we're doing. I'm excited for those guys, a lot of them to be able to go into year three and make the most of this opportunity. Yeah. So it, it takes time to build a culture, to have your people in place, uh, your, the players, um, Timing's not always perfect. So is is this third season, I think you mentioned this yesterday, you're really looking forward to this opportunity in year three, right? Oh, I can't wait. Um, I've been excited. We've had a full summer. We, we we worked for seven straight weeks, and then you come back in the preseason, you get a chance to have your team together. You have all your new recruits and uh, get a chance to be able to put in your offense and defensive schemes. But I'm excited about this upcoming year. I do like the opportunity where we're playing 16 home games. That's the first yeah. time since 1990 we're playing 16 home games. Uh, we played a lot of road games last year, but uh, to be the benefit of that is to be able to play home mm-hmm. games this year, and we got a good schedule. You know, a lot yeah. of good teams coming to Gainer Fieldhouse. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about that a little more in particular. Uh, we're going to have a break coming up, but I wanted to give you time to give a long answer to this question that I'm going to pose to you. So when I was growing up many many years ago. I, I kind of looked at certain teams and how they were put together, college basketball teams. And the way I remember, like the undefeated Indiana team of, of Bobby Knight, um, it may predate you a little bit, but they seem to have all the pieces in place. The star uh, point guard kind of running the show. They had the big man who was an All-American. They had uh, c- complimentary pieces, guys that that were NBA hopefuls and guys that knew that college was where their peak was. And they there's only one basketball on the court, but they had – five starters four of whom were like all conference type players and they had a fifth guy that didn't need to have the ball in his hands it was that complimentary piece and of course they were deeper than five but it seemed like a if you had to draw up a team from scratch that's what you'd want to do you'd want to have all these kind of pieces where they have that level of experience the skill level and the the teamwork it doesn't hurt to have a coach uh, like a, a Bobby Knight type that that really stays on top of guys, but it seemed like they had like a perfect team. And I'm not saying that just because they had a perfect record by my recollection, but they seem to have everything exactly what you'd like. Is there when you if you 
you can't always time it this way, but is there a perfect way that you'd like to build a team from scratch? I'm not saying it applies to this year's team, but if you, as a, a, a veteran head coach, how would you like to piece together a team? What are the parts? Well, I think the landscape of college basketball has changed over the last two and a half seasons, maybe three years, where you're seeing the one-time transfer rule right. come into effect. You're also seeing the additional COVID year come into effect. Um, and then also NIL. The construction of rosters is like putting together a, a puzzle. And right. before, the old school model was you can develop players through year one, two, three, and then then going into the fourth year, you're getting the most out of each player. Uh, those days are over. You're looking yeah. at construction of teams within one to two seasons. So you're trying to simplify. You're trying to be able to put in offensive schemes, defensive schemes, and then also have role identification. Each player knowing exactly what their role is and what they're trying to get done. Uh, in the program. I realize that those roles can shift throughout a season and you have to be able to communicate with your team. But the the process is being sped up. You know, we're in a talent-based business, so you always want to have great talent. Uh, but also, you know, you also want to have character that goes along with that talent. You're constructing the teams in one to two-year periods. You want to be able to implement a plan, make it simple so that they understand it, uh, and then have a chance to get better each day. But uh, the days of constructing a program of a four-year program, um, those days are over. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like uh, having those like two senior guards on a team. You know that. Uh, I, I think it's extremely important whenever you look at rosters. As the old school way is, you always wanted to be old. You always wanted to have experience. Um, the other thing that you're going to be looking at now is not only are you going to going to have experience but you also want to have some type of continuity on your roster so mm -hmm. if you can keep your roster together you're going to have more carryover from previous years culture as well as schemes right and you also want to have consistency so if you have the continuity you have great talent and then you have consistency it's going to help um those are kind of the areas that a lot of coaches are mm -hmm. focusing on that you want to stay old at the same time you're, you're trying to also develop talent there's going to be some high school players at the mid-major level that we're, we're able to get that maybe, you know, you couldn't in years past. You might be able to steal a, a player that can go to the ACC or the SEC and come down to this level. Knowing, though, in one to two years, that player might leave based on opportunities of the one-time transfer. Yeah. Yeah, the, the transfer portal is a two-way street. You could bring somebody in. You could also lose somebody. Uh, so it makes recruiting your own players um, – uh, just so much more important that it, I, maybe it wasn't wasn't even a thing a few years ago. But now you have to to make sure that everybody's happy. And I don't know if that's a perfect system right now. But it seems like you have to. You're always looking for for to upgrade talent, but you also have to keep what you have. So it's it's tough. You know, you know, Nathan, you use a unique word. You said uh, make sure everyone is happy. I, I I feel you have to just you have to work on your relationships with your players more than ever, and then you have to be able to tell them the truth. And if you have that, you know, the common ground of being able to trust each other, have a real relationship, and then be able to tell the truth, you know, people can look at you in the eye and say, hey, that's a genuine person. Um, that's one of the biggest keys now is not only the head coach, but your entire staff having great relationships with your roster. And then trying to show them the plan that, hey, this is how you're going to get better. This is your plan. Everyone's race is different. And then they have to buy into what their race is. Um, so as a development, some guys develop quicker than others. But they got to know what their race is. They got to know a plan and a vision for them, and then also the plan and vision for their overall team. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, give uh, Coach a, a second here. We're going to take a break, a brief break, to uh, 
for a little commercial for the Spanmore News, but I'm going to ask Coach about this year's team. We're going to break it down, uh, and I know we have a lot of guys to talk about, and we'll uh, we'll come right back with Coach Berg. But first, I want to uh, uh, plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Uh, you want to know the latest that's going on with Georgia Southern men's basketball? I hear they are about to start the season, as well as uh, other Georgia sports, uh, Georgia Southern sports, including the Eagles football team. How about high school football? Who's hot? Who's not on the coastal in the coastal empire? Savannah State's men's uh, the football team is going on right now. How are things going on at the marsh? Uh, we'll have all that and more, including news, features, and opinion columns. If you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. Uh, the last special I saw was one dollar for six months. Uh, a couple days ago, it was twenty-four months for twenty-two dollars, almost a dollar a month. Both of those uh, specials will take you well into uh, basketball season. Um, so I encourage you to give us a try if you want to. See what the latest special is, uh, the going rate. Um, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. So I'm going to see if I can get Coach Berg to subscribe here for a dollar. You got a dollar on you, Coach? Let's do it, Nathan. I can, I can, <laughs> I can give you a dollar. Okay. I'm practically giving it away here. So um, we're going to talk about the team. Uh, for those of you who have been following Coach uh Coach Berg's career, you know, he's been super successful everywhere he's gone. Uh, he went, he came from the the Texas Tech. Team. Well, he's been successful in the Sun Belt Conference. He's no stranger to the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, he came here from Texas Tech with Coach Chris Beard and that team that went all the way to the national championship game. I don't know if he's seen video of that game yet. Did you watch it once once yet? I still haven't watched it. See, there you go. We I check on him once a year to see how he's doing with that. <laughs> so um, obviously a great team and a great run there. And uh, Coach Beard speaks high volume. Uh, you know, we, we've written about uh, Coach Beard loves uh, what Coach Berg brought to the program. And, and Coach Berg, you have a lot of fans out there of, of the work that you've done and what you're going to do and will do uh, or have done and will do at Georgia Southern. Uh, the first year, as we mentioned, was 13 and 13 overall, seven and nine in the conference under trying circumstances, eight and four at Hanner Fieldhouse. Now, I don't know if you break down uh, when you look back on a season, if you look at home record and road record and all that, I know we do, but um, I'm going to ask you about that. That last season uh, with a lot of turnover as well, a, a lot of some veteran players and new players, uh, 13 and 16 overall, seven and five at home, five, 11 in the conference. Obviously that's not, those are not numbers that you're satisfied with. How did you view last season? Oh, it was a, it was a challenge. It was a yeah. challenge in regards to, um, the COVID effects. It was a challenge in regards to the recruiting piece. It was the second season we recruited by Zoom. Uh, it had an impact in regards to our program. With that being said, uh, some guys, their overall goal was did graduate, had the opportunity, you know, whether it be play professional or move on. But, um, you know, it's, we did not meet the expectations and the standards of the program that we're, we're striving for. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to year three and being able to make a jump in regards to those standards. One of the things that I, I believe is part of your standard is outstanding defense, outstanding team defense. Statistically, you're one of the top teams in the conference in uh, in uh, fewest points allowed and shooting percentage. I think uh, you were 41% shooting percentage last season, and and you said yesterday at media days you'd like to get that down to 39%. That sounds like a very specifically chosen percentage, 39%. Right, Nathan, from a from an analytic standpoint, that's our goal. Um, I think our defense could have been a lot better last year if we would have valued the ball a lot more. Uh, we had high turnover rates, which allowed for easy baskets for our opponents. It's been a huge emphasis this summer as well as this fall is being able to value the basketball. 
so that we get quality shots. If you get quality shots and you put pressure on the rim, maybe you get to the free throw line, you're able to set your defense. That allows you to have better opportunities to be able to get stops in the half court. So it's been a big focal point. Um, defense is our calling card. Defense is our identity. But at the same time, you're about to see a roster that uh, is much better offensively this year mm-hmm. going into year three. Yeah, uh, that defense, that doesn't that doesn't go away. You could be playing in a, in a regular season game or a conference game. You talk about how difficult these games are in the last four minutes. Uh, is defense, that that is going to win you some games, right? I think not only win games, that's what wins championships because defense travels. You know, you're yeah. going to have to win on the road in this league. And you got to be make sure that you can defend at a high level. They get disruptive for your opponent, get stops consistently, and then on the offensive end, shoot quality shots. Yeah, I mean, you're going to run up against teams that that have individuals that are just scores. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get their points. But if you can use strategy and schemes and 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 prevent other you know contain and prevent other people from having good games, you're right there in position. You know, the star player could get his 22 points or or more, but you guys can still win the game because you have that overall team defense, right? So, yeah. I think the team defense aspect is what allows you to win, win at a high level. You know, you yeah. want to play in March. You have to defend at, at all through conference, even in non-conference, but you have to really fine-tune your program as the conference season goes on. You want to be in the fight going into late January, early February to give yourself a chance to win a league title, and defense is the, the number one key. Do you do you find that you tend to recruit players that have already have that defensive mindset, or is that something you can teach them and raise to a, a higher level? You can say, "I can work with this kid. Uh, he's you know he, he's real good with the ball uh, on his own, or he's real good at this, but he needs to work on defense, and I, I I'm going to take him on." Or you, you kind of look for guys already that fit into that mold. Well, you want to recruit talent and character, and one thing other area that we really look for is a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. um, you can hold guys to a standard of being able to defend, demanding them to defend, uh, then also finishing the possession with a, a quality rebound. Um, that's just you holding your, you know, your team to a high, high standard. But you're in the talent-based business, and you want to recruit high-level talent with character so that that uh, ends up carrying over to your overall program. One of, one of the guys you we've talked about, a lot of different players have come uh, through the program out of necessity and out of just the timing. But one of the guys that you handpicked to come here that I got to meet last season was Andre Savrasov. I hope I'm still saying that correctly. And that guy has come such a long way, both in in mileage, but also in his game. And just, uh, just a key player, impactful player, and uh, one of the best players in the league, I would think. Um, what what is that? And he's a guy that you knew from Texas Tech, and he came to Statesboro, kind of sight on scene, right? You knew him, he knew you, but he didn't really know what he was getting into. Uh, how far has that guy come with his game, and what do you see happening this season? I've had so much admiration for Andre and his story. He has such a unique story coming from Russia to Texas Tech, uh, and then you know being recruited during the pandemic, uh, like everyone else during the pandemic, they were recruited by you know Zoom. But him, you know, betting on himself, betting on our program to come to Georgia Southern, and you're starting to see the development in regards to his game. He's uh, due for a breakout season. Uh, he he's worked tirelessly this off season. Um, he has great consistent habits. Every single day, the guy works. He's really good in routines. He's a leader in the locker room. Um, high character, great student. Uh, he's kind of he's what you want in a student athlete mm-hmm. and i'm excited for you know this this upcoming season he's about to attain his degree and have the ability to uh really impact our program 
Yeah. So I'm expecting him to make a huge jump this upcoming yeah. season. We we wish him well. I, I think when I talked to him last season, of course he was making great strides, and he had a um, a future. I think you you said this yourself. He had a future in professional basketball. Um, the uh, what, for people that didn't get to see him play, what 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 are we talking about here with with international game? Where where do you see him going? Uh, from his basketball game, there's what we're looking for this upcoming season. He, you know, he has the ability to impact inside and out. From a professional standpoint, uh, the sky's the limit. You know, this guy continues to develop. He continues to work. He's got great size at six foot eight, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He can play inside out with his shooting ability and skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, he knows that he's going to be able to. He has to be able to produce this year. So, yeah. uh, I think he's ready for that opportunity. I, I hope uh, he's one of those guys where people he may make an impact on the NBA or professional level, and people say, "Who is that guy? Where did he come from?" And everyone in Georgia Southern will like, "We knew it. We we saw this guy developing, and we we saw what he could be." And and uh, you see that you know, you've got other players. We don't want to leave them out. Um, Jalen Lynch was with you yesterday, uh, that Wednesday, the the nineteenth at the media day. Now Jalen's a transfer. Of all the players on your roster, why did you pick Jalen to come with you? you no, know, Jalen's a point guard. Jalen has the ability to be able to communicate and lead a team. I thought it was a great learning experience for Jalen to go to media day, have the ability to use his voice, something that we're really counting on this upcoming season. The other attribute is Jalen makes every person around him better. He has the ability to set up guys and um, being a leader in the team, we thought it was a great opportunity to be able to use his voice and great yeah. opportunity to grow in the situation by going to media days. Well, if if that if that wasn't a um, a message that he's one of the leaders, that certainly I mean that's a very tangible thing to pick somebody to represent the team as the one player that you're allowed to pick. And that was Jalen Finch. He played at Jacksonville State. They were an NCAA tournament team last year, correct? Yeah, and one thing I will say, Nathan, I I, I could we I wish I could have brought five, six, seven players. They're mm-hmm. all deserving. Yeah, I've got some guys that have been with us that have you know national stories, and I wish those stories could be told. But uh, Jalen's a good representation of Georgia Southern basketball. Thought he did a great job at Media Days as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the uh, you mentioned uh, when you were asked about the team, you, you mentioned Jalen and Caden Archie and Kamari Brown as being three f- fifth-year players, and what that means to have people like that in their final season uh, coming together, uh, really experienced players. Uh, we already mentioned Andre, uh, who's a, a redshirt senior, so I, his his career may add up close to five years. Uh, what uh, what uh, do those three, that trio, you mentioned Jalen Finch, Kamari Brown is a guard, and Caden Archie, who I remember being a very athletic player, a 6'6", guard forward, he could be a problem for people to cover. Um, what do those guys uh, bring to the team that that you go, okay, this is an element we really need? Well, they're all fifth-year seniors. They've been through the wars. They have the experience. Uh, they know our program. Um, and then, you know, you look at a lot of these guys' careers, a lot of these guys' careers, they've won and won at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, ex- excited for Caden Archie going into his fifth year of college. He's been the most consistent I've ever seen him uh, on the court, off the court, in regards to his preparation, his maturity, and then the development of his game. I'm extremely excited for his last mm-hmm. year of college. And then also Kamari Brown. Kamari's continued to develop since he's come to Georgia Southern. He's a leader in the locker room. Uh, but these three guys have been through the absolute wars in college basketball. They have the ability to control the locker room, to be able to communicate, you know, maybe give some insight to some young guys in the program. Hey, what does it feel like to play on the road? What does it feel like? Or how do, how do you how do you go on the road and, and take care of a victory? So we're counting on those three guys from a leadership standpoint. 
they've answered the call this this summer as well as this this fall. Mm-hmm. The um, the couple of guys, I, I just for clarification, I want to make sure um, uh, Manny Harris is now Derek Harris Jr. Is that correct? And uh, McFadden, Johnny McFadden, how did, what was his name before? I, I it just escaped me. McKenzie, uh, McKenzie, McKenzie McFadden, but right. his his official name is Johnny McFadden. Um, Johnny's a great person. Comes from a great family. He's battled some adversity with injuries throughout his career, uh, mm-hmm. but he brings it every single day. He has the ability to impact our program. Uh, he's had a great preseason as well, just with his motor and how hard he plays. He's he'll be a fan favorite, and he also will be uh, a loud voice. He's got the, some of the mm-hmm. highest respect on the team based on his work ethic. Uh, then Derek Harris is a uh, coach's son. He uh, redshirted last year, had the ability to develop his body. He's made a jump in regards to how you know how hard he plays, uh, as well as on the defensive end, being able to sustain and guard for long periods of time. So both those guys are great guys. Was there any story behind why they changed their name officially on the roster? I didn't ask. You know, Nathan, they they, uh, they came in and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's go this direction." So okay, well, if you change your name, you let us know, right? No, I sure would. I sure <laughs> okay. would. There's some other guys, uh, Nathan, as well on the roster that yeah. I've had great all seasons. You look at Cam Bryant, he's entering his third year at Georgia yeah. Southern. He's a great athlete, 6'7, 215. He's extremely not only athletic, but he's also skilled. He's one of the better shooters on our roster. Um, has the ability to impact, got a great voice. He's got a really high basketball IQ. And then also Carlos Curry, 6'11, yeah. he's 240 yeah. pounds, transferred from Ole Miss. Um, had had a great all season, uh, finishing around the rim. Also skilled, has the ability to step out to the perimeter and then extremely engaged on the defensive end. That's where you can impact the game as well. And then you also have a, a true a couple of guys I want to ask you about in our remaining minutes here. Um, uh, I remember Rod Strickland so well, uh, being such a great player in the NBA 17 seasons, uh, going back to his DePaul days, but definitely in the NBA. Rod Strickland was a lot to handle in the NBA. There's a reason he was there for 17 years. His one of his sons, we mentioned a one place for JMU. His son Ty, is I'm pronouncing that right? Ty Strickland. Ty, yeah, yeah. He uh, a six two, one eighty pound guard out of Temple. You know Temple can play. Um, uh, what is 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 he anything like his dad? Not not to put any pressure or expectations on him, but he's got to have the a, a basketball IQ that that is just through the roof. Yeah, Ty has great basketball IQ. He started off his career at Wisconsin before transferring mm-hmm. to Temple. Uh, completed his degree and um, actually we competed against Wall Street in regards to the recruiting battle. <laughs> Highly intelligent guy, had opportunities to go work on Wall Street, wanted to continue his college playing career. Uh, extremely excited about Ty being here at Georgia Southern. He has great basketball IQ, shows up every day to work, also has a voice in the locker room, uh, but a very talented player, put up numbers at Temple on a winning team yeah. and excited about his impact this upcoming year. And then one other guy I'd like to mention also is Nate Bradford. That was my next guy. Yeah. yeah Tall he's guy. A true, true freshman, um, six foot eight. He's worked his butt off to be able to put on weight. He's he's gained 18 pounds since he showed up wow. to campus. Um, there's easy ways to do that, and there's hard ways to do that. <laughs> highly skilled uh, player. Comes from a great family, a winning mm-hmm. background in regards to high school, played at Raven Gap. Um, but a very talented player and uh, mm-hmm. continue to work on his body, adjusting to the college game in regards to the length and athleticism, mm-hmm. uh, but really competes and plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's got a bright future here at Georgia Southern. Yeah, he's a true freshman. They have him listed at 6'9", 180. What, do you, what is the most accurate measurements? 
Uh, right, right around there, six, eight and a half. He has the ability to play on the wing. Um, then definitely all of 180 because that's what he ended up gaining this <laughs> summer. So okay, when 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 people ask you, I mean, I'm sure they do. What kind of team do you have this year? What can we expect? We know the defense is there. We know they're going to play hard. Uh, you wouldn't accept anything less. What what are they going to? Are, are do, is the question where the offense is? We know Andre's very steady. Uh, is that the question now? Your inside offense, your outside offense, is that where everybody's going to kind of gel right now? Well, the strength in, in our team is is our team. You know, guys being able, we have some depth. Uh, guys have the ability to be more skilled than we've ever been since I've been here. Um, one other player that didn't mention that I'd like to tell you about is Tyron Moore. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyron Moore is a junior college transfer. He played for a Hall of Fame coach in Pat Smith at Moberly Community College. Tyron led his team to the NJCA National Tournament, uh, had a great career at Moberly. Uh, he was out of Louisville High School, Louisville High School, where he's Louisville Player of the Year. Wow. And he has great basketball IQ. He sees it. Um, he's one of the better shooters on the team. Uh, he's got a bright future as well. But uh, the strength in, our, in regards to our team is our team. And we had the ability to play a little, uh, at a faster pace. Uh, guards that can play off ball screens. Guards that have the ability to create for others. And that's a big aspect of uh, what we're trying to do this upcoming year. Well, that's a good transition to. Uh... A couple of things you have going for you um, is uh, Hanner Fieldhouse. Uh, you mentioned uh, it, uh, that it's the, you believe it's the toughest place to play in, in the Sun Belt Conference. And um, you guys can be a real headache for teams. Uh, they could uh, have a real tough time there. Uh, but looking ahead, uh, the Convocation Center, I think ground is broken on the Convocation Center. Uh, what is uh, a brand new arena that's in the future? It's not going to be this season or next season, I don't believe, but uh, what what does the future of a convocation center mean for the program and for recruiting? What what is, where do you is that going to be a showplace in a sense to really step up? No question, it's already impacted recruiting um, this this past season, uh, early recruitment wise. But you know, having the ability to show the blueprints or show the you know the model of what our arena is going to look like, um, extremely excited about that. Give credit to Jared Benko, his vision. Um, Hander Fieldhouse is a great Great place to play, but extremely excited about Hill Convocation Center. Yeah, we only have a few minutes left. I, I asked you a question through Zoom yesterday, uh, Wednesday, October 19th at the media uh, day, and you had a great answer, which you could fully repeat. I'd be happy if you said the same thing or, or modified it. But I asked you about the preseason predictions in the conference. This is a vote of coaches. I don't think you were allowed to vote for your own team, right? So – uh, Georgia Southern was picked 11th of 14 teams and no Georgia Southern Eagle was on the first, second or third preseason team. You gave an answer that I hadn't heard before, uh, the way you phrased it. Um, what I asked you, your view of the predictions and of no Eagle player being on those teams. And and what do you say to that? Uh, I, I mentioned yesterday, we're going to go into nine opponents, gyms in the Sun Belt. And whenever we walk into those gyms and we look up, we're not going to see preseason banners. They don't give banners for preseason accolades. I think it's a great honor to be, you know, to be mentioned in regards to those accolades. Uh, we we want to focus more on postseason accolades. I also mentioned the year we played a national championship, we were picked seventh. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put our head down. We're going to go to work. Um, and then we're going to just try to take care of business. Uh, I, I just think it's important that you control what you can control. You live where your feet are. You try to win the day and uh, everything else will take care of itself. An interesting stat, if you look at the Sunbelt Conference, there's a lot of turnover this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 of the top 50 scores 
in the Sun Belt Conference are returning to their schools. 16 out other, of 50? 16 out of 50. The other players are either moving on to the professional ranks or they've transferred to other institutions. So this league is wide open. I do think it's going to be quality play across the board. Uh, like I said, I think games are going to come down to a four-minute game and just a handful of possessions. Mm-hmm. So we, we know exactly where we stand. Uh, we know the perception. We do have a chip on our shoulder. And uh, we're going to control what we control, and we're going to continue to work. Well, you, you brought up a, a lot of great points there. Um, history says that everybody doesn't have all the answers in the preseason. They, they probably have the easy answers, and you could say media does the same thing. Members, when you're looking for stats that are going to jump out, you're talking about returning scores, maybe a returning a rebounder or a, turn, a steals guy that uh, you go, well, that's something I can depend on. That the the, the guy the, that player is probably going to have numbers similar to that, unless the team is totally going through a, a big change. So the team, what we know versus what we don't know, we're going to go with what we know. And what they know is that the teams that were at the top last year, unless they had major uh, changes. That's what they're going to go with. Uh, Georgia Southern is an up-and-coming team. Uh, Like we said, the timing is that this is where you could make a real push uh, this season. And come the end of the season, uh, it could be – Georgia Southern could be one of those teams. There could be others in the conference that people don't want to play at the conference tournament. They're they're a real handful. Uh, You could have everything clicking. um, And they're going to say, oh, yeah, where did we predict them again? 11 of 14. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be hindsight and and, – you, we've seen it. And you mentioned Texas Tech. What is predict seventh? Uh, and they they were one of the two best teams in the country when it mattered most. No question. So, yeah. So you've seen it in basketball. Um, oh, I, I we got uh, uh we got to go. But I, I congratulations on the schedule. You're getting to go back to your hometown of Houston for three games. Excited to be able to go to Houston. Prior to our trip to Houston, we were going to California, get a chance to play Ten Miles, San Jose State, Herb Index, Santa Clara. Uh, to open up the season. So two quality coaches, two quality programs to start the season. It's a great test before we come home and play a game and then head to Houston and play three games on the road. Uh, and then after that, we got the six-game home homestand in Hander Fieldhouse. And that one game on November 30th started off as against Florida Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. which is Coach Pat Chambers is taking over the program. Well, I, I got to go. Coach, thank you so much for uh, for being a guest. You were terrific. As always, uh, everybody, thanks for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We'll catch you next time. Once again, the season starts November 8th for the Eagles at San Jose. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. 